0: Hey Uprightians, it's Matt Shu from Upright Health, and welcome to episode 31 of the Upright Health podcast. Today's topic, do surgeons lie? If you haven't already, I would encourage you to listen to episode 28, The Secret History of Joint Pain, for a broader context, a broader overview of the medical system, and that will explain why it's so important to think about today's topic. In episode 28, we talk about how orthopedic diagnoses are invented and how they go unchallenged. And in today's episode, we're going to look at how these ideas spread and whether or not they're spreading through deliberate deception. If you have been listening to the podcast and you enjoy the podcast, then I invite you to subscribe and I implore you, I ask you to please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to this podcast. It really helps us out and helps us spread a message that I feel a lot of people need to get. Now, on to today's topic. Do surgeons lie? This topic came up as a result of a conversation that I had with my client, Nick. Um, Nick had open hip surgery to supposedly fix his hip pain. Um, He was a pretty young guy when he had the surgery. He was in his 20s, and um, surgeons were pretty confident that if he had the surgery, it would fix his hip pain. It didn't. Uh, He had open hip surgery, which is um, basically when they pull the femur, the thigh bone, completely out of the pelvis. They go in, shave some bone down, do whatever they want to do to the labrum, And that's supposed to fix hip pain. It didn't do that at all for Nick. Um, Nick actually ended up with the same pain in the hip, but then he ended up with pain spreading throughout his body. He noticed his knee would hurt, his foot started to bother him, his low back started to really bug him. It got to the point where his shoulders and neck were completely spasming out, and he was having anxiety and panic attacks as his body felt like it was just collapsing in on itself. During all of this uh, post-surgical decline, he ended up talking to more doctors and getting referred to more surgeons. And he was told, you know what, maybe you have thoracic outlet syndrome and you'll need surgery to correct that. Uh, Your lower leg and your knee, they probably hurt because the lower leg is deformed, so you probably need surgery to correct that. And he realized that the answers he, re- he was getting kept driving towards surgery. And after his first surgery, he was thinking maybe maybe surgery's not a great idea. So Nick uh, ended up coming to Upright Health and working with um, several of the coaches on our team and, uh, and I've been working with him quite a bit over the last uh, six months. And, you know, it's been really amazing to watch his progress because he's now able to do a lot more. His body no longer hurts all the time. He's really on, on the road to recovery. Um, actually, if you want to see him, uh, you can actually see him on YouTube. We have, um, we have him in an interview uh, on our YouTube channel, and we'll leave a link for that um, on our website and uh, on the uh, on the page for this episode. But if you want to find him, he is uh, it is Nick, and uh, you'll see him uh, on the Upright Health YouTube channel at uh, youtube.com slash uprighthealth, all one word. But anyway, uh, so we have been working closely together, and the other day Nick um, asked me, do do you think the surgeons know that what they're doing doesn't work? Or do you think they're lying? And this was a really, really interesting question, right? This kind of gets to the core of the matter, right? There are a lot of surgeons who who are over-promising. They're saying things like... Uh, this surgery works 99% of the time. Whether it's hip surgery, shoulder surgery, spine surgery, um, they are definitely overpromising. There are no, um, basically no treatments in existence that are 99% effective. But I have had clients come and tell me, you know, um, my sur- the surgeon I consulted with said 99% certainty this will cure your hip pain. And uh, one uh, one client of mine here in uh, in the Bay Area actually related that to me. He's an attorney, and uh, he said, you know, as soon as the surgeon said 99% certainty, I knew that they were lying because nothing is 99%. Nothing, right? So I, I laughed. I thought that was really funny, but... Um, Do we actually know that some surgeons are lying? Do we know that they are deliberately twisting the truth? The truth is we can't really know. So if you're somebody um, who's been talking to a surgeon and and the surgeon has told you, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I do this all the time. I'm sure this will work for you. I can't tell you whether that surgeon's lying. Nobody can really tell what's going on in their head besides that person. But there is something that we can tell, and that's whether or not they're likely to want to know that what they do doesn't work. So, um, you know, we've seen examples in the past and still see today that spinal surgery was widely 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 recommended spinal fusion in particular was widely recommended to fix back pain and the surgeons um you know 20 years ago were absolutely adamant very loudly saying yes this works all the time this is the best way to treat back pain blah 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 and now um you see with further research that that is unfortunately not the case um Now, it speaks to a problem that is inherent in the system. So whether uh, surgeons are lying or not, we can't fully know. I would say that some probably are. But even if they aren't, they are strongly, strongly incentivized financially not to entertain the possibility that the surgery whatever surgery they're recommending, is not effective. So I want to share a quote with you. A lot of people have heard this quote. It's, by, uh, it's from Upton Sinclair. And the quote is, It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon his not understanding it. Basically, if a man makes his living thinking about something one way, then it's going to be really hard to convince him to think about whatever it is another way. Right? So another even more simpler way to put this is in the context of surgeons. Surgeons get paid for surgery. So there are two big issues that I want to draw your attention to here. There's financial incentives for surgeons to believe that surgeries work for whatever conditions they use them for. So um, surgeons who do hip surgery to fix hip pain, they make money by doing each surgery. They don't really make money, especially in the United States, they really don't make money by telling you not to get surgery or by telling you that a surgery may not work. To put that into perspective, if, if, you're, uh, if you're a surgeon doing a consultation for 15 minutes whatever it is, you're probably only making maybe 50 bucks after all your office expenses and whatever other um, billing and all those extra fees that they need to deal with, insurance, et cetera, et cetera. make 50 bucks probably for the surgery you make a couple thousand dollars so there's a very clear clear financial incentive to want to do surgery to perform surgery so you're very likely as just a run-of-the-mill surgeon to really strongly believe that what you do works because not only did you probably get into the field to help people but now you only get paid if you do that thing that you think helps people. So, on a per-surgery basis, for the -the run-of-the-mill surgery, there's a strong financial incentive to not really question whether surgery works as effectively as some published papers claim. And that's gonna bring us to the second point. The papers that exist that look at surgery are those unbiased and are those properly incentivized to look critically at whether surgery works. Now, a lot of people think medical research is done in a um, almost like an academic bubble, where it's the results that matter the most that There's uh, an air of independence, um, financial independence, um, intellectual independence from undue influence. Now, if that were the case, then we could trust whatever the -the run-of-the-mill surgeons say, right, because they're relying on what published papers say. So as long as the published papers are unbiased, and are critically looking at whether surgeries work, then we would have good information. Now, here's the thing. Published papers, especially published papers early on in the life of any surgical treatment, they're published by surgeons who are already doing the surgery. They are considered you know, the, the pioneers of any particular surgery. If you look a little bit closer, you'll also notice um, that these pioneers are making money not just on the surgery uh, that they're performing, but they're also making money from another source. So what is that other source? They're making money from device manufacturers so um, a few years ago in the United States um, a regulation came into effect that required that now still requires doctors to disclose um, financial relationships that they have with pharmaceutical companies and other medical device manufacturers so you can actually look to see what um, specific doctors are getting paid by drug companies and device manufacturers, um, and you can see generally what they're being paid for. Uh, I will leave a link to the website, the open payments website, so you can pop in the name of any surgeon that you've been talking with. It's a very interesting exercise. Um, But I don't wanna single out any particular surgeons, But I do encourage you, um, if you are on a path, on a quest to understand how all this works, I would definitely encourage you to go to the Open Payments website, pop in the names of uh, surgeons that you may have encountered in the research litter or maybe you've consulted with, and see what they make from um, publishing research and from talking about surgeries. Why would this be important? Well, you might be thinking, well, it can't be like that much. Like a little bit of money, you know, it's probably not influencing um, the quality of these studies that much. Well, um, it would be nice if that were true, but the, the amounts of money that we're talking about are not insignificant. Okay, So what's happening is that surgeons are being paid, specific surgeons are being paid money to publish papers that are very positive on surgeries, right? So, for example, there is one doctor, again, I do not want to name names, but there is one doctor who um, is very well known for popularizing hip surgery. And if you pop his name into the Open Payments website, you'll find that over the course of several years, he made... Um, roughly half a million dollars a year on royalties and licensing fees from a device manufacturer, um, a device manufacturer that makes devices for orthopedic surgery. So they also paid him for public speaking engagements to talk with other physicians about the um, efficacy of the surgery that he's been promoting and then there was one year uh, in 2016 where he made um, not just a half million dollars um, for all all his activities. He actually made over four million dollars. I'm gonna repeat that. Made over four million dollars to um, for whatever his um, his role is in popularizing surgery. So. I suspect because it's such a high amount, it's probably because he had a, he played a key role in developing maybe some new um, devices, whether it's sutures or something else. But $4 million in that one year. So think about this realistically. You are a surgeon. Let's say you are him. The more popular this surgery becomes, this particular hip surgery becomes, the more money you make. So if you are doing a study, you are doing a study on the efficacy and safety of the surgery that you are known as an expert for, what is the likelihood that you are going to look at the surgery and its results with a critical eye? Remember that every year you make half a million dollars in royalties and licensing fees and speaking fees. In some years, you make a couple million dollars. Is it likely that you as a surgeon are going to be unbiased and willing to think about your surgery as something that is not effective? Or is it more likely that you are going to go in thinking that, yeah, this surgery is definitely effective, and I'm just going to tell the world that? I think if you honestly assess that situation, it's highly unlikely that you as a surgeon in that situation are going to be independent and look critically at the results of your surgery. You are, to, to do an independent critical analysis of that surgery would put at risk would completely jeopardize your making more money every year than most people make in their lifetimes. And that's not even to even touch whatever he makes per surgery, right? So this, this is the most obvious example of where um, the money is making it basically impossible, For the truth to come out for real analysis to happen so what you have is run-of-the-mill doctors rely on the published papers but the published papers are authored by surgeons who make money making sure that the surgeries become more popular the only time you get uh, the only time you actually get research that Questions This is when you start looking at um, nationalized healthcare systems where they're trying to um, analyze the actual effectiveness of these procedures um, to make sure that taxpayer money is not being spent unwisely. We don't have the, that, we barely have any type of research like that in the United States because we don't have, um, we just don't have um, healthcare payment systems that try to contain costs, which that's uh, that we're going That's a topic we will save for um, another episode. Um, I actually am lining up an interview with somebody who has been diving into that topic for years and years and years. Um, but the long and the short of it is, in the United States, healthcare costs have basically nobody trying to contain them. Not even the private health insurance companies, even though. Many of us, even I, believe that private health insurance companies were trying to contain costs. There's actually a really interesting incentive problem there that I'll share with you in another episode. Back to this point. You've got doctors relying on published papers, published papers that are basically funded by device manufacturers. So you have a systemic problem where even if you are a doctor who wants to rely on, the, on whatever published evid- evidence there is. you're still relying on evidence that's highly, highly biased by money from device manufacturers. Right? The people doing the papers are incentivized to not understand that the surgeries are not as effective as claimed, right So Key points to close up here. We don't know if any one individual surgeon lies. We have no idea. We cannot get inside their brains. But we do know that the entire surgical community has strong financial incentives to misunderstand or to not critically analyze the efficacy of what they do. The research is skewed because there is so much money floating around behind the scenes. And so the -the run-of-the-mill surgeons are relying on evidence that is, by and large, dependent upon people who are paid to not understand another perspective. Now, what does that mean for you? That means you, as a human being, have the strongest incentive to understand your body to understand the way this whole game is being played and understand how you need to treat your body to keep it functioning well. There is literally nobody else who cares more about how your body functions than you. Well, possibly your mother. Your mother might actually care more, but it's you, it's a tie. It's at least, it's probably a tie between you and your mother. Sometimes your mother probably wins, right? So you, you need to understand that financial incentives are at play that mess around with how people view your body. It messes around with how people want to treat your body. And you have to take the responsibility to know what you think is acceptable and what is right to do to your body. If you are looking for ways to help your body move better, start on YouTube. Check out our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Upright Health. You can check out our Do-It-Yourself programs on our website at UprightHealth.com slash DIY. Again, that's UprightHealth.com slash DIY. I hope you found this topic helpful. Again, if you want uh, to get a larger Um, broader view of the medical system and how all this plays together. I would definitely encourage you to listen to episode 28, The Secret History of Joint Pain. Um, And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening. Really appreciate it. It helps spread the word, um, helps get the message out, and helps other people avoid needless surgeries, helps other people take control of their lives, get their lives back, and get moving again. So I hope you take some inspiration from this. I hope you found this educational, informative, and I hope you always remember that pain sucks. Life shouldn't.